of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. You know why I'm in such a good mood? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the 10th episode of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. We're officially in double digits. And it's also currently the longest-running podcast that I've ever done. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Please. And I'm also excited because this week we're going to be taking a look at the work of possibly my favorite comic, like, right now, in this moment. The master of the suck himself, Mr. Dan Cummins. And, you know, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you can tell, but it's not, most of it isn't just for work. It's not like, you know, I'm picking all of these podcasts out of the blue. Um, some of them I discovered for the first time, but most of these podcasts I listen to religiously anyway, which is why I know where to go to them, right? But I don't subscribe to any, I mean, I'll follow them and like them and support them on the YouTube or, or Spotify or whatever, but I don't have a Patreon except for one. <laughs> I have one Patreon that I religiously donate money to every month, and that is... What I pay to be a member of the Cult of the Curious. Not only does Dan do kick-ass stand-up. Um, his company, Bad Magic Productions, does great work. Both on YouTube, in the podcast space, and in real life. I can't wait to talk to you more about what it's like being a space lizard. And and uh, Dan's stand-up. But uh, as you know, this is also... Going to be the last episode of the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast I do before I head off for paternity leave. Because I'm going to need a minute to sort my life out after making a whole new person to put in my family, Joe Rogan. But anyway, more on that later. Up top first, let's get to our regular business. You want to get a hold of me? Huh? You want to talk to me? You want to see what I'm doing, how I'm living my life over here? You got three options. You could catch me on the gram at Bring a Show Pod. You could tweet your twits at me on Twitter at Bring a Show Pod. And you can also write me a letter that I will receive and reply to with gusto. At bringershowpod at gmail.com. Now, uh, you know what? I'm probably going to have a lot to say about the paternity leave and all that. So, 
Why don't I save that to the end of the podcast? I'm just going to get right into it. Again, Dan Cummins, not only a funny guy, probably out here doing the Lord's work or the devil's work, <laughs> depending on how you look at it, um, with Bad Magic Productions, his podcast, his stand-up. It's all great. I can't wait to talk to you about it. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Praise Nimrod. Hey, Lucifina. Let's go. I once heard on a podcast a while ago, one of the greats, Patrice O'Neill, used to call young comics who emulated more popular comics babies. So, like, for example, say you were watching some open micer who sounded and acted a lot like David Tell. Patrice would say that comic was Attell's baby, and it wasn't a term of endearment either. When he said Attell had a lot of babies out here, he was basically saying there were a whole bunch of hacks in these streets ripping off Attell and other better comics. Never having tried to make a career out of stand-up, I have no idea whether this is something that's inevitable and a thing young comics have to train out of themselves, or if it's something that happens to those who lack the self-awareness to realize they're doing it in the first place. But what I do know is that when it comes to art, hacks are called out as such. Thieves are straight up told to piss off, and those who get the most recognition are those who have found a way to do their own thing while believing in themselves and what they're doing. With all that being said, the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast is a young program, and I think it's pretty clear at this point, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm trying, all right? And trust, I'm going to get better. I'm going to keep working at it. But if I'm being totally honest... Most of the reason I even decided to try doing something like this in the first place is thanks to one comic in particular. A few years back, I was bored at my warehouse job, and luckily, I was allowed to work with headphones in as I spent a lot of time doing monotonous shit. <laughs> one day, I was looking for a new podcast, and I stumbled across this Time Suck podcast. I started listening, and I thought it was hilarious. Of course, I quickly figured out why once I found out Dan was a comic and binged his entire catalog. Not only that, but when I heard the story of how Dan started his podcast business, let alone his stand-up career story, I figured he was a guy worth paying attention to. So yeah, while I didn't exactly plan on ripping him off, I did decide to take a few notes. Cummins was born in the incredibly rural town of Riggins, Idaho, a town in the least populated county and one of the country's least populated states. When he was just a young lad, his family moved to Anchorage, Alaska for a brief time before his parents split around the time Dan was seven. He moved back to Riggins with his mom before later moving back in with his dad, who is now living in Las Vegas after leaving his job in Alaska during his freshman year of high school. His dad would shortly also move back to Riggins, where Cummins would eventually graduate with a class numbering 23. Before getting into stand-up, Cummins attended Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, and earned his bachelor's degree in psychology in 1999. It would be at college where Dan decided to audition for the school's sketch comedy group, but even then, he never really looked at comedy as a career. Cummins talks more about this on the I Guess I'll Do It podcast with comic Pat House last October. Let's hear more about how Dan unintentionally found stand-up comedy. Okay, well, that's a very interesting point. So if it's not on the radar at all and you're in college, where did it come in? You know, it, it came in when I was a sophomore in college. There was a campus kind of SNL oh, um, derivative show. It was like at the, at, the, at the theater there at Gonzaga. It was called Waiting on FM, 
and it was the exact same format as Saturday Night Live. There was a band, there was a host, um, there uh, was you know sketch comedy, and I watched it freshman year. Just thought it was super funny. It was kind of like the talk of campus because it was like uh, you know this Jesuit college. It was basically anything would go uh, on these sketches, and so it was all inside jokes. It was sketches about things happening on campus that year, about interesting personalities, professors, whatever. And it was just, I was, it was so funny to me. And then um, when I did that sketch show, I was like, oh man, uh, no, I watched it. The next year I auditioned, had no idea if I would get in. I did get in and I had the most fun I had probably ever had in my life, hanging out with the cast, bunch of cute girls were in the show. Uh, I got a lot of attention <laughs> from girls after the show. Like they thought it was funny. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then, but then, <laughs> but then I, I studied abroad the next year. And I, it's funny, I started playing guitar and I did the total stereotypical thing of like, no, nah, I got to be serious about my music now. And I got really into like writing songs, <laughs> <laughs> really sappy songs, came back the next year. They asked me to be part of the sketch show and I was like, no, nah, I got to focus on my music. Like I literally did that. Like I, like I was going to be some musician. Um, senior year, I decided to do it again, or maybe I'm flipping this. Anyway, I did it one more time. It was fun. And then graduated. Went, uh, we know, tried to find a job, didn't think about comedy anymore. And then I just kind of got depressed about, I don't know, six months, nine months after school. I didn't like my job. I was trying to do the social work thing. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like that. So I went and got a job at a gym. Thought, thought that would be more fun because at that time I liked to work out more. Didn't enjoy that as a job. And then my ex-wife, uh, she was my fiance at the time. We were like college sweethearts. She heard on the radio a commercial for a comedy club that I didn't even know existed in town. And they would bring a guy from out of town to do like, you know, to headline, do the hour. And they they didn't have the money to bring in out of town feature acts or MCs. And they didn't have very many people doing stand up locally. So th there was like eight people doing stand up and the crowds were sick of them when I happened to go to an open mic. So I did the open mic one time. A bunch of my college buddies came to watch me. It was fun because the, the crowd was stocked. They were like, oh, man, we, you got to you got to come back. At the time, I thought it was because I was funny. I'm sure they just wanted to sell more drinks. I come back the next weekend, do it again. And then and then immediately after my second open mic, they're like, do you want to host next weekend? Because there was, there was no one. There was no they just needed a fresh body on. The I was stage. just going to say you were you were fresh blood. Yep. And so, you know what? Uh, two weeks after my first open mic, I'm hosting. And then I'm doing like guest sets and different things. And I didn't know how bad I was. The other people locally were, were honestly pretty bad at that time, which made it way easier for me to get into it. Um, the bar was so low. I didn't realize that at the time. And I just got really into it then. But it's like, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And then once I did it, I just liked it so much more than the job I was doing at the time. I, I just kind of went real heavy on trying to come up with new material. Cummins realized early on that he needed to improve and worked hard to learn everything he could about stand-up. He also learned figuring out himself and getting comfortable on stage was just as much a part of becoming a stand-up as the joke writing was. So, in the decade or so between his first open mic and his first album, Cummins would change both his comedy and his physical appearance. Going from the long-haired dude with a surfer vibe who used to wear khakis and bring his guitar on stage to the bearded and tattooed-up Paul Bunyan-looking son of a bitch with the pointed and aggressive yet silly style of comedy his fans know and love him for today. But even with all of that self-improvement, there was still one more thing Cummins would have to overcome. He needed to learn how to market himself, 
something that he was very reluctant to do at first. When Dan was on Joe Coy's podcast, The Coy Pond, back in September 2019, Cummins talked about why he thinks he was ultimately able to step outside his comfort zone. Let's check it out. So maybe yeah. when you were decided to be comic, like deep down in the back of your brain, you were like, hey, Dan, you're not ready yet. Let's let's slow yeah. down on that promotion. Yeah. Let's slow down. Okay. You, you just okay. work on your crap. And then but it's 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 covered by you going, I don't want to promote, man. That's not me. That's not my art. But deep down ah. inside, your body and your mind is going, No, you're not ready yet. And yeah. we don't want to sell that product yet. Let's get to here. And when yeah. when, when you get rid of that fucked up bang haircut of yours <laughs> and, and, and you have a, 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 a more selling body let's get some tattoos on the arm let's get that fucking beautiful beard going yeah. let's get the package let's, together let's, let's, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and now and now you're ready and you know what and now yeah. you're ready you get what i'm saying no and i think and i think you're right because it's, it's interesting like you know I've, i don't know i've had like six albums now and, and you mm-hmm. know and a couple specials but i still and they're funny like i don't want to knock my own stuff no i'm proud of the stuff I did, but there's a different feeling I've had on stage the last year Yeah, where I'm like, okay, it's a different level of comfort, it's a different yeah. level of confidence, Yeah, and it does feel like, you know, this is like 19 years since my first open mic, and yeah. I'm like, okay, now yeah. now it feels right, for whatever reason, mm. No, and, and, and so now I think it is clicking over, I'm like, now I really do want to market it, because I'm like, I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do for my kind of, you know, st- because I worked really hard at yeah. it for a long time now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's funny and, and it's funny, I, and in my look and everything, it is the most me, like before... I was in like a relationship more where I, I don't know I just didn't feel totally comfortable I guess being yeah. myself like my wife is awesome like like you're you're 100% awesome. myself your your mm-hmm. wife is awesome <laughs> <laughs> she's she, dope. Her she, swag, her swag. For she's sure. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. You need she's people around. Cool. You need people around that has like that that matches your swag. Yes. That, yeah. that matches your personality yeah. yep. and also motivates you indirectly. Yep. So like when she got out of the car, I was like, "Yo, Dan, you need to you need to step it up." <laughs> <laughs> she just give a thumbs up. <laughs> but that's a good thing, though. Yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You want your yang. Yes. You want to be yin. You need yang, man. Yep. And that's real. Or a, yep. or a life. Life doesn't work, man. You got to be challenged by your counterpart for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Be challenged. Yeah, I love that, mm-hmm. man. And yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, no, I, I see that. Uh, I, I see uh, uh, the the confidence when you come out. I, I see it's, that when it you guys feel, it feels natural now. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, like when you're maybe I don't know. I did this when I was younger. You go, you don't think of it as a fake confidence at the time, but there's that that like you're proj- trying to you're trying to project yeah, this confidence, yeah, yeah. this effort, and you're thinking like oh, I'm ready because you're rationalizing in your head. Yeah. And then for me, at least, I reached a point later. I'm just like, nah, I just I am who I am. And I'm comfortable with who I am. Yeah, and I, and I'm confident in a in a not like like swagger type way. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, this is I, I know how to do this. Yeah, yeah. I feel good about this. I yeah. don't care who thinks I don't. Yeah, it's just a deeper level. Yeah, and it that, took me a while to get there. It comes so, with maturity. I'm sorry. No, it comes no. with maturity too. You start letting go of the expectations. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so now yeah. it's just like mm-hmm. this is me. And and I'm confident right. in in this. I'm gonna cut those fucking bangs. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come right back. I'm gonna get. Re- I'm gonna stop tucking behind the ear. I'm ready now. Ready. No more it argyle. No-, <laughs> no more argyle. No more banana republic slacks. I'm fucking. No more Clark's old man shoes. No I'm more. Cut no, that more no more. Shit out. No more. No more. Go to like. Clearly, all that hard work paid off. In addition to a gang of television appearances, Cummins has to date released eight specials. Revenge is Near in 2009, Crazy with a capital F in 2010, Hear This in 2012, Chinese Affection in 2015, Don't Wake the Bear in 2016, Maybe I'm the Problem in 2018, and two more albums in 2020, Get Out of Here Devil and Live in Denver. 
After years of getting better, Cummins would drop Revenge before taping his Crazy with a Capital F special with Comedy Central. Afterwards, Cummins thought it would only be a matter of time before he made it big. And who could blame him? I mean, he was on TV and everything. That's showbiz, right? That's how they do it in Hollywood. Turns out, things don't work that way. And when the venues didn't fill up like he had anticipated, safe to say Dan started to get a little concerned. So here Dan was, more than a decade into stand-up, and shit was getting real in his life, professionally and personally. On top of the low turnout, after starting his own family, Cummins found himself divorced and was now traveling between Los Angeles, where he worked and lived, and Spokane, where his ex-wife and the kids were. And this is all while touring the country as a stand-up, playing some, well, let's just say, less-than-ideal venues. By 2016, Cummins was starting to wonder how long he could keep this crazy work schedule up and work these shitty gigs, and he reckoned it wasn't that much longer. So shortly after marrying his second wife, Lindsay, once his job hosting a morning show for the Playboy channel came to an end, he decided to move closer to his kid's mother and settled on Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, about four hours away from where he grew up in Riggins. So now Cummins was home. Great. But he still needed to figure out how to make that money. And that's when he decided to bet on himself. He was going to use all his free time to launch a podcast. It was going to be an informative, entertaining look at, well, whatever random shit Dan thought was interesting. It would be called Time Suck. And it would be Cummins' final attempt to bolster his comedy career and carve out a path for himself in the entertainment industry. Dan explains what happens next to fellow comic John Huck on the inaugural episode of his podcast, Highly Speaking, last year. Here's how that conversation went. I, uh, I, I had a two-year contract with this random, talking about web shows, that was like mm. the equivalent of like a web show, this Playboy TV, yes. which, you know, you, yeah, you were yes. a, a guest on. So, yeah. I mean, it was good. It was good money, but it was no exposure. Nobody, very few people were watching who were <laughs> ever going to come to a comedy show. <laughs> Leave their house. If you're watching that, you have the Playboy Network, which means you are so into porn, <laughs> yep. you're, not, you're not willing to just get it for free online. Like, oh, yeah. They, they tolerated it. me as a co-host to just, you know, watch naked girls. So it's like, I'm like, this is a 100% money grab mm-hmm. and, and and some hosting experience, you know, and sure. it's like I had fun sure. with it. But then, so we had made the decision, you know, during while I was at Playboy, my wife and I, fiance at the time, Lindsay, to move to Idaho for family reasons and I was very nervous about, you know, how is my career going to continue from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? So I, I did think, you know, with Time Suck starting off, I'm like, okay. It, it was an effort to, like, I'm going to take – I was really worried about not even being able to tour eventually from Coeur d'Alene. It's, it's expensive to fly out of this area. Dude. And I was like, if I don't start selling tickets and, I, and I, I'm not going to be auditioning anymore, I legitimately thought, like, my career might be done in the next couple of years. And so what I wanted to do, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give – one more kind of Hail Mary, but I'm going to do it for myself. Like, I'm not going to listen to anyone's advice. And I'm like, what would I want to do? If I got to magically be paid to do something, what would that thing be? And I just like researching weird stuff like I have for years. And so I'm like, I'm going to do that. It's just going to be me. And then I did think uh, I'm going to put comedy in it. And then if it were to work, people who would like the show would want to come see me. I thought of Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast. It's like you get to listen to one voice. And so I, I just, you know, got the equipment uh, with some of the Playboy money, just got a little, you know, set. Oh, actually, and I got the equipment because I wanted to do it. At first, I wanted to do it with a podcast network. Literally, nobody wanted me. 
Really? Um, you, what, you pitched yourself and they were like, get out of here. I could only get one meeting. I could only get one meeting and it was with the Sideshow Network through Levity. And they were so uninterested in meeting with me that they literally forgot about the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I show up. They don't know um, why I'm there. Hey, what's up, then they How are you? <laughs> yeah. Then they feel bad. And then during the meeting, the guy uh, who takes the meeting, he just looked at his phone the whole time. And I was like, uh, it was such a low. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even get someone to pay attention to me to podcast meeting. Uh, then randomly, CBS, they had a network, podcast network called Play It. And I got introduced to them through my record label at the time, which is Warner Brothers. I'm like, okay. And they seemed interested. And then the real low point was we go back and forth. They start giving notes. They start turning to something I didn't even want it to be. I, I keep sending them new pilots. And then eventually they just tell me, they're like, yeah, we just don't think we can sell this. And I got fired from a job that wasn't paying me. Like they, they dropped the concept and they canceled the contract. Like, they just didn't like it. And so I'm like, God damn it. Like, I can't get a meeting. The the one place that I kind of got through a favor, in a way, they dropped me. And then I got pissed off. And I'm like, now I'm just going to do the whole thing myself. And I put all my energy into it. And then, yeah, luckily, it was like a miracle up here. It started to work. It started to build. And then what's crazy is if that, uh, if CBS would not have fired me, um, I was only going to make 17 cents on the dollar. I remember that specifically from that contract. Wow. When it was all said and done, there was like lawyers, fucking record label. It was nonsense. It was all manager. All these people are getting paid. I would have made 17%. But then because I did it myself, you know, I got to make 100%. And wow. but and making that early money is how I was able to reinvest it and build it into now we have like a little network here in Coeur d'Alene and, you know, and so, several I mean, full-time employees yeah. and all that. You guys basically have your own podcast empire coming out of Ida. The first episode of Time Suck debuted in September 2016. Today, Time Suck is the flagship podcast for Bad Magic Productions. In addition to Dan's inside joke riddled deep dives into true crime, history, and other topics Dan punches up with his dark humor and absurdist takes, fans can also listen to him tell horror stories with Lindsay, Queen of the Suck, on Scared to Death, or make fun of stupid people on the internet with his friend and producer, the Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley on Is We Dumb. But you see, fans don't just listen to Time Suck, they are Time Suck. They help select the topics Dan talks about, and people who buy Patreon subscriptions aren't merely gaining access to more content, they become space lizards and the cult of the curious, who uplift and inspire each other on Discord, Facebook, and other platforms. Bad Magic isn't just a company, it's a virtual clubhouse, that's my kind of gig, where hosts, staff, and fans all hang out and have fun, and if that wasn't enough, Bad Magic donates 20% of all Patreon dollars to rotating charities each month from abuse survivors, veterans, kids, anyone who needs it, basically. And it's wonderful work that they're doing. Given what we've learned about Cummins and his journey through stand-up and how long he's been doing it, I suppose we shouldn't be all that surprised his comedy style has a little bit of everything. I mean, you got solid observational joke writing, you got some good storytelling, he doesn't really sing or use props anymore, but there's still a bit of a performative aspect to his stand-up you just gotta see to appreciate. And let's be honest, that a comic with Dan's sense of humor would be associated with a company and a fan base committed to doing so much good in and of itself is interesting because, you know, he could be, well, let's just say blunt with his comedy. On stage, he could come off a bit angry, but really, it's mostly jokes, I promise. And... 
maybe it's his whole lumberjack look, but for me, Cummins' comedy style has the energy of one of them guys who's been living off the grid for a while. Wide-eyed and grinning from ear to ear, Dan's armed to the teeth with wit sharp enough to sever a limb with. Cummins eagerly hits the stage with his lunatic ravings like it's his first time out in public in months. But Dan ain't your average wackadoo cult leader, oh no. The Suckmaster heads the cult of the curious. So instead of talking about communicating with aliens on elevated frequencies or space-time continuums, he's talking about sidewalk etiquette, road rage, and hucking spoons at people. Dan's precise and speaks with a confidence and a clarity that tends to cut straight to the heart of things. His jokes are dripping with copious amounts of sarcasm and when he kills they hit like a hammer to the skull and he leaves crowds rolling harder than andre chikatilo so what began as a last ditch effort for cummins to keep his career going and to provide for his family has turned into a full-fledged community that helps hundreds if not thousands of people on the regular and it all stemmed from dan's killer comedy Personally, I have no problem admitting that I've taken some cues from someone who's done what he has, and I think others can too. And I don't know whether that makes us all babies as far as podcasts go, but if it does, well, shit. Goo goo gaga, motherfucker. So I clearly had a bunch of dance material to choose from to end this episode with. I wanted to do the spoons bit. I thought about playing something from Hear This, or maybe I'm the problem because those are the first two albums of his i listened to and they're my favorites um but ultimately i decided to play the beginning of get out of here devil uh, again released back in 2020 because i think it has everything both space lizards and comedy fans just hearing about dan for the first time alike so i hope i'm right and with that let's get started ladies and gentlemen your headliner this evening a very funny comic who's been all over the west coast i'm not even gonna get into it all you need to know is that he hails from beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Give it up for Mr. Dan Cummins. Thank you, guys. To, to any of the uh, time so people who came tonight, hail Nimrod, you guys. Uh, hail Lucifina. Showbiz, that's how they do it in Hollywood. <laughs> Let's not even do a stand-up special. Let's just do weird catchphrases from a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, now we got some jokes to tell. I, uh, I made a terrible parenting uh, choice a while back. I feel pretty bad about My daughter, Monroe, she turned 11 early this year, and her entire childhood, she'd been doing speech therapy, like going back to preschool. But for the previous two years prior to 11, she could say every single sound perfectly, except for the R sound. And I was getting frustrated with her because I thought she was just not doing her exercises. I thought she just wasn't doing her homework. Uh, essentially, I'm a maniac, and I thought that my daughter had a speech impediment because she was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting after her. I was like, come on, Monroe. I'm like, you got to work on it. All right, you got to do the exercises. They give you homework assignments for a reason. You actually have to try. And she'd be like, Dad, I am twine. And I would think horrible shit. <laughs> Uh, not twine very hard. <laughs> Finally took her to a new speech therapist. Earlier this year, I have no idea why the first person never did this test. They ran a different test, found out that she's physically tongue-tied in a way that makes it literally impossible for her to make the R sound. She could work on it for 10 hours a day, every single day, for the rest of her life, and never get it. And luckily, 
That's not where the story ends, because that'd be a fucking bummer. <laughs> How pissed would you be if I took you down that entire road? She'd be like, yeah, so it sucks, you know? <laughs> it's gonna be a hard life. No one's gonna take that seriously. Hi, my name is Moe. I'll be your attorney. No, you won't. I'm not gonna hire a lawyer who can't say their own name correctly. No, it gets way better. <laughs> this new uh, therapist told us about a phrenectomy. I don't know why the first person ever brought this up. Uh, it's just a simple outpatient procedure. They laser the frenulum that connects your tongue to the bottom of your mouth so your tongue can move naturally and you can make all your sounds. And so we have that done. Two weeks later, Monroe is perfectly pronouncing everything. Crushing R's. Uh, she will speak better than I can for the rest of her life. <laughs> and when she found out that she could, you know, finally say things the way she wanted to say, she was so happy slash furious. Right? Like happy she could speak correctly. A uh, little irritated that for the past two years, her dad had been doing the parental equivalent of just yelling at a blind child for not being able to see. <laughs> just a monster. Just squint it out already! <laughs> Will you get rid of that dumb stick if you'd squint harder? <laughs> She's going to be showing off her R abilities for the rest of her childhood now. Dad, would you like to hear my sounds again? Yeah, go ahead, Monroe. Let's see what you got. I cannot believe my father never considered other treatment options whatsoever. <laughs> Are my R's clear now, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, good job, Monroe. I felt that last one. <laughs> and sometimes I'm too hard on my kids. Usually, I'm too hard on my kids because I'm worried about being too soft. Man, I hate soft parenting. I feel like soft parenting ruins people, right? Truly, truly, too many parents afraid to criticize or discipline. They just want to tell their kids how awesome they are all of the time. You ever met somebody who was only told they were awesome by their parents? <laughs> 100 out of 100 times, not awesome. <laughs> Delusional, no self-awareness, right? Just saying things that prove they have no sense of reality all the time. Just, wh what do you just say? Did you actually just say that you're a social media influencer? <laughs> you, you think that's what you do? You have 42 followers on Instagram and a part-time job at Arby's. You're barely a roast beef influencer. <laughs> I've met adults that were clearly ruined by overly supportive parents. I'll never forget this one guy I met uh, early on doing stand-up. It was an open mic, it was an amateur night, and anybody who showed up, put their name on a list, got to do 10 minutes. And this one guy, he showed up with his mom, uh, only his mom, so red flag riding shotgun already. <laughs> and he does his 10 minutes to silence from the audience. He just eats it for 10 minutes. No one in the audience laughs at a single one of his jokes other than his mother who cackles like a hyena the entire time. <laughs> And he comes off stage and I overheard him say like, I don't know what that crowd's problem was. Those jokes were awesome. My mom thought I did great. <laughs> and I decided to do him a hard favor right then and there. I stabbed his mom right in her fucking neck. <laughs> and while she bled out, I pulled him close. You're free, baby bird! <laughs> now you have a chance! <laughs> no, but I probably should've. Now I did think that his mom, you know, probably ruined any chance he had at a, at a career in comedy. And maybe I was right. He wasn't even doing stand-up two years later, you know, because he didn't work on his jokes. Why would he? Mom, mom already told him that they were awesome. My mom didn't uh, hurt my comedy career that way. She, she never gave me any uh, fake compliments. I know exactly what my mom thinks about my act to this day. She doesn't care for it. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, she loves me. She's happy that I can make a living at this. No part of her understands how I'm pulling that off. 
my, my comedy is not her style at all. She thinks it's too mean, uh, too violent, too dark, you know, too dirty, too much profanity. And I, and I love my mom. I love my mom, but my mom can suck my dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Figuratively. Let's see how much she likes that joke. No, but I'm glad she didn't give me just a bunch of easy compliments. You know, because she made me work harder to prove her wrong. You know, my daughter Monroe right now, she's a, she's a pretty good artist. And I'd like to think that part of the reason she's become a pretty good artist is due to my criticism of a lot of her earlier work. Because <laughs> when she was younger, you know, she had talent, but I was watching the rest of the family ruin it by just giving easy compliments. And she's a smart kid. She's always been really smart. She figured out at an early age she could spend two minutes on something or two hours and get the same compliments. So why work hard? Why put in that extra effort, you know? She could just scribble some nonsense, hand it to a family member, and just hear, what? You did this. On your own? Monroe, this could be in an art gallery. I'm looking at the same thing thinking, that's not gonna make the fridge. <laughs> One time she handed me something so bad, I couldn't even tell what it was, and she got mad at me. She's like, what do you think? I was like, I don't even, I don't even know what this is supposed to be. <laughs> it's a dog. We have a dog right there. I want you to look at that dog, look at this, look at me, and say that again with a straight face. That dog goes missing, guess who I'm not putting in charge of the posters? And that really pissed her off. But today she draws a pretty good goddamn dog. And I'd like to think that's related. Not some crazy disciplinarian, though, either. My son, Kyler, he's 13. He's only gotten one spanking uh, during his entire childhood. And I didn't even want to give him that one. It was the weirdest spanking I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and I've been a part of some pretty weird spankings. <laughs> but this was very different. He was just never the kid that needed a spanking, you know? Especially, he was seven when this happened, and he was real, you know, uh, uh, kind of a people pleaser, you know, easy to redirect, firm voice, he would tear up. But this one day, I think he had seen his sister Monroe get a few spankings, and I think he wanted the street cred of having had one. <laughs> like, he was gunning for it real specifically. It was weird. He was climbing on this door jam, and I just wanted him to get off of the door jam right before he hurt himself. I was like, come on, buddy. Let's get down. That's not what that's for. You're going to hurt yourself. No. <laughs> he was never the no kid. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean no? Dude, just get off before you hurt yourself. Or what? You going to give me a spanking? I just remember thinking, that was weird for you to toss out. <laughs> like, I hadn't even considered a spanking as a punishment option up until that moment. But once he says that, I have to say yes, otherwise he's taking all my power. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I would give you a spanking. But I would rather not, so how about you just get off the door jam? I'm not getting off the door jam until I get a spanking. <laughs> the whole thing took on this tone of suicide by cop. He's trying to force my hand. I was like, dude, just get off the door jam or I will give you a spanking, last chance. He won't get off, so I have to physically remove him from the door jam and he doesn't fight back near as much as I was hoping for. <laughs> just made the whole thing that much creepier. <laughs> but I felt like I was pot committed. I put him over my knee, I give him two swats. After the second swat, he turns, looks right at me and goes, I think you're supposed to do it harder than that. <laughs> and I've never spanked him since. I was like, get out of here, you little creep. Get out of your room, you weirdo. <laughs> then I sat there on the couch thinking like, what was that all about? 
I was thinking that would be a genius kid move if you could convince your parents that you enjoyed punishment. <laughs> I don't have the parental skills to navigate something like that. <laughs> That'd be so irritating. You'd be like, hey, dude, hey, pick your stuff up. Hey, buddy, I'm tired of you leaving messes around the house, all right? I'm not your maid. We talked about this. Pick your stuff up right now or you're grounded for a week. <sighs> Thanks, Dad. You know, I would like a staycation. I appreciate that. I can spend time with the family. I don't have to be rude to my friends. Thank you very much, Father. That's very nice. What? No, it's not a vacation of some kind. There's going to be punishment. There's going to be no TV, no video games, no cell phone. You know, I haven't had the strength to unplug myself. That's a generous offer, Father. Thank you. Stop calling it an offer! It's a punishment. You're going to be in bed the whole week. Does that sound fun? Honestly, I've been exhausted from the video games. Well, now you gotta move around the whole week, always moving. Does that sound fun? I could just treat it like a workout challenge. I could do push-ups and squats. Maybe I could get strong enough to beat your ass by the end of the week. <laughs> no, I will beat your ass at the end of the week. Ooh, hi, Poppy. Hit me like you love me, Daddy. <laughs> I'll pick it up. Just stay away from me. Dan Cummins has been sucked. <laughs> JK, gosh dang, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, no, Dan Cummins has had his name added to the digital wall of our virtual comedy club. Now, you only got a few chances to see Dan the rest of this year. He's wrapping up the first leg of the Symphony of Insanity tour, but I do know he said he's going, he's going to announce the second leg very, very soon. So if you want to see that, when that comes out, make sure you head on over to dancummins.tv or just Google Time Suck. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to catch Dan live and you're in Cincinnati, he will be at the Funny Bone, November 5th and 6th. November 12th will be at the Angel of the Winds Casino in Arlington, Washington, before heading to the Denver Comedy Works down in downtown Denver, November 18th and uh, through the 20th. Um, November 21st, he'll be at the Rialto Theater in Loveland, Colorado. December 3rd and 4th, he'll be at Side Splitters in Tampa. And finally, he will be at the Tacoma Comedy Club December 16th through the 18th in Tacoma, Washington. Now, as for me, you know, I'm just going to say up front, it has been an absolute blast putting together these last 10 episodes of the first season of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. As you know, I'm heading off into the world of parenthood, and I'm going to be away on uh, paternity leave. Um, I thought it would only gonna, I was only going to be away for, you know, six, eight weeks, but I want to be there for my wife and kid. I don't know how long it's going to take me to adjust. I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get. So I figured I'd be safe, take the rest of the year off, and I'll come back with new episodes of the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast, most likely um, the last week of January. So um, I think that should give me enough time to adjust. Now, what do I mean by seasons? Well, you can expect, um, much like this season, 10 episodes back-to-back, -back, uh, released bi-weekly, of uh, me talking about comics I think are awesome and that you should think are awesome too. So um, I think I'm going to do that. I like that format. I like the idea of having a set number of, of comics to talk about um, so I can focus more on um, you know, what they do and uh, I think it'll be overall a better podcast and you guys will like it more and I'll be able to put in uh, better work and it'll just be good. Um, I will probably take breaks in between those seasons too, but not nearly as long as uh, what I'm about to. So 
this is as bad as it's going to get, basically, uh, if you're a fan of the Burger Show comedy podcast, which, by the way, I see all of you in Philippines. I see you in Germany. I see you in Canada. I see you in the UK. I don't know if it's just a couple of confused Americans who forgot to turn on their uh, NordVPN, turn off their <laughs> their uh, NordVPN advice, uh, devices, but if if you are listening all the way around the world, Jesus Christ, thank you so much for your support. I see you. I appreciate you. And I promise I'm going to pay you back. I promise. So I think that does it for me. I really don't want to leave. I don't want to do this. I don't want to say goodbye. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. Seriously. You guys, thank you so much for listening to the bringer show comedy podcast i promise i will be back and i will still be active again stay watching the social media i'm gonna push you know post updates and shit on there it'll be bumping believe me i'll be gone but not forgotten you guys seriously thanks again for tuning in you guys have been great thank you so so much for listening